it going, everyone? Jeff Johnson from the Gazette here. This is the first week we got all three of us together. So, um, soak, soak the greatness in, folks. Soak it in. Jeff Linder, KJ Pilcher. Um, we're here to talk a little football in the prep football huddle. Gentlemen, let's look uh, back a little bit. Uh, at last week, the significant games and um, – Getting right to it, I guess the most significant to me was uh, Williamsburg knocking off Cedar Rapids Xavier at Saints Field. Um, honestly, didn't see that one coming. I thought Williamsburg would play uh, would play with Xavier pretty well, but uh, didn't see him coming out of uh, Cedar Rapids with a victory. But, uh, man, that's a good one, isn't it, boys? Yeah, uh, really nice win for them. Um... I, I thought they would compete. I wasn't sure that they would come away with a win, but uh, uh, Xavier made some mistakes they, they normally didn't make. Uh, they had a holding penalty that uh, brought back a touchdown. They had a muff punt. They missed a field goal. Um, uh, just just a lot of mistakes, uh, especially in the second half, and Williamsburg capitalized. Uh, Xavier came back with a couple late touchdowns. They were down 21-7 midway through the fourth. Uh, scored twice, uh, second time went for two, uh, admirable, admirable decision, uh, but, but missed the two and, uh, Williamsburg finished it off. That surprised you a little bit. I'm sorry, KJ, go ahead. Well, I was just going to really quick, uh, uh, did, uh, did you get a chance to ask coach Schulte about the reasoning behind going for two instead of, uh, you know, opting for tying it and yeah, trying to get um, uh, you know, he, he said going for going for one wasn't a sure thing either. So he thought he'd, uh, you know, kind of kind of roll the dice a little bit. And um, you know, I guess when you think you're probably the better team and seem to have the momentum, I think in that case you probably kick the point you know, and, and prolong the game and, you know, try to come out at the end. But, you know, I, I like the call. Uh, it was a good call. They, they uh, tried to pass. It got knocked down. Um, so, you know, kudos to Williamsburg. Um, you know, is this, is, is this a damaging loss to Xavier? No. I mean, it's a non-conference or non-district game. But, uh, you know, it sure makes them look a little bit more beatable to Western Dubuque this week. I um... – yeah, and it, it probably gets the attention of the boys a little bit, I would think, yeah. too. Right? You know, KJ, you played. Uh, when when you uh, when you lose a game like that against a, a team in a lower class at home, you don't play well. Um, I'm sure it's been a, a few hard practices maybe this week over there at Xavier, right? Well, and, and one thing that it does, and this is kind of regardless of sport, you know, this kind of transfers from one to the other. So, um, you know, a lot of people can relate when when you're doing things and you're having success. It's not necessarily complacency, but you get into a routine, not necessarily a rut, but a routine. And then all of a sudden, when you ha don't have success and maybe you lose a game you thought you'd win. Then you realize, OK, our routine's not good enough anymore. You know, instead of getting there five minutes before practice, we need to get there 15 minutes before practice and run more routes or, uh, you know, 
receive more punts, you know, or, or do do some things like that, uh, or maybe staying after or watching more film. So that's one thing that uh, something like this does. Now, again, <laughs> Williamsburg is a damn good team. And I think we all thought they would certainly compete. And there's you just wonder about, you know, numbers and just uh, uh, endurance and stamina and whether that plays a part in bigger class versus smaller classes in a game. Apparently that wasn't the case here with Williamsburg taking a lead in the second half and then having that uh, stand on the two-point conversion. So that obviously wasn't a factor, and they came out with a win and – uh, but yeah, it does. It will open some eyes, and something will need to be tweaked or changed, and and that'll become evident if the players themselves don't realize it. I guarantee you, uh, uh, the coaches will let them know what needs to be tweaked and how to do it from now on. Lindy, was Derek Weisskopf noticeable? Yeah, uh, yeah, he he was. He he didn't rack up a bunch of big stats or anything. He didn't. Uh, didn't see the ball a whole lot on offense. Uh, you know, he, he did his job on defense and, and all that, but, uh, yeah, he, he's a great player, great athlete. Um, you know, I, you know, is he the best all around football player in our area? He might be, uh, best all around athlete in our area, probably, but, uh, you know, he, he, I guess I, I would say he didn't really, really stand out because there are a lot of good players on both teams. Sure. I was going to say, you know, one thing that I thought was interesting was the fact that Williamsburg, and, and this is just going off numbers, so, Lindy, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think Williamsburg showed that they're not just a one-trick pony, that they've got other weapons and other guys that they can go to, like Legion yeah. and Steckley and um, uh, Heitman and stuff like that. Uh, you know, if, if you're going to focus on Derek Weisskopf, um, they're going to burn you anyway. Or yeah, they have the potential to burn you with other guys, and yeah, uh, and, and they're still know, they're, they're still really really fast, and uh, uh, you know those a lot of those guys do track, and uh, it shows they they've got a lot of speed, they're strong, and they're you know it, it's another program. It's like Xavier that that knows how to win and uh, expects to win. Let's look at some of the other, uh, you know, significant games, I guess, uh, around our area, boys, from from last Friday night. Um, in no particular order here. Iowa City Liberty re- rebounds from that loss um, the previous week to Iowa City West by getting back at a city rival, beating Iowa City High 41-14. to Now, Liberty winning, not necessarily a surprise. Liberty beat City High last season in the – Battle at Clash at Kinnick or whatever they, they called it at Kinnick Stadium. Uh, but 41-14 kind of catches your eye. Would you agree? Absolutely. Yes. Yeah, what, uh, go ahead, KJ. Well, I was just going to say, to be honest, with that loss last year, um, with the team that I guess I thought City High would have, um this year, I I thought maybe that score would be flipped around a little bit. You know, you, you've got that motivation to try to avenge last year's loss. You know, uh, but Liberty, boy, Liberty put it to them, and uh, you know, I think that was just as good of a 
a rebound as any with them coming back from that uh, tough loss to, to West. Uh, 20 with, to 14. Um, with, uh, what they got? They got Iowa City West and Kennedy coming up now. City High does after this week. And that makes, that pretty much makes Ames this week a must win, doesn't it? If they're going to make the playoffs. For sure. Um, that was a 20 to 14 game at halftime. And then, uh, um, Liberty did all the scoring in the second half. Uh, we, you know, Graham Backman threw four interceptions the previous week uh, against West, which matched his season total from <laughs> all of last season. Here we go. But uh, the Liberty co uh, senior quarterback was 26 of 32 against City High for 269 yards and three touchdowns. So um, I guess that that's bouncing back, <laughs> I guess maybe you could say. Um so yeah, uh, Liberty's Liberty will not have issues moving the football this season. I don't think from from what I saw two weeks ago, and, <clears throat> and excuse me, kind of looking at that. So, um, couple other quick scores here. Cedar uh, Rapids Kennedy guys goes down to Pleasant Valley and loses thirty six thirty five in overtime, and suddenly the Cougars are zero and two, and Pleasant Valley had lost the previous week to to rival Bettendorf. Um, how much of a surprise is it that Kennedy's on too? Oh, I I think it's a it's a big surprise. Um, I thought this was going to be probably one of the better renditions of a Kennedy program or Kennedy team, and I think it still will be. Um, you know, it's extremely tough uh, uh, schedule out of the gate for them, and it doesn't get much easier for uh, with Linmar. Um, even though there might be some some injuries or something with with Lamar, um, but you know, yeah, the the Dowling game take that, but especially after PV lost to Bettendorf, I didn't necessarily have a lot of expectations out of Bettendorf coming into the season, but uh, you know they're two and zero, so they must be solid. But I, I didn't expect them to go zero and two, mainly a loss to to PV especially after PV dropped their opener. And that was a game that, that PV led almost the entire way, and Kennedy rallied, I believe, in the last five minutes of regulation, scored twice, sent it to overtime, scored, kicked the extra point, PV countered, um, and did what Xavier did, Jeff, and uh, went for two and, and got it. So 36-35 um, in overtime, Pleasant Valley over Kennedy. Uh, we're taping this on Thursday, Friday, um, Kennedy standout junior offensive lineman Nick Brooks is going to announce his college intentions on Friday at 1.30 at the school in the cafeteria, and it'll come down to uh, Alabama, Georgia, Florida State, Tennessee, and Iowa. So, um, all right, you want to throw Iowa in there, I'll say five biggies, that's fine. Four and a half biggies, whatever you want to call it. So, <laughs> um, but he's going to uh, announce his uh, commitment, and of course, I mean, this is not binding or anything like that. So he's got, uh, he's only a junior. He'll have another year to before he has to sign, sign on the dotted line, so to speak. So, uh, KJ, you mentioned Lindmar, forty-nine-seven uh, win over Cedar Rapids, Washington. That came at a cost. Uh, Iowa State commit. Uh, Keaton Roscup is out for the season with the torn ACL, um, tight end, defense, oh. linebacker. 
Um, that's significant for them. They lost a quarterback, Austin Waller, to a shoulder injury. His status is uncertain. They also lost another defensive back with what looks like a, a bad knee injury. Um, but they got two really good running backs um, in, uh, you know, Mazinski and um, the fullback as well, um, who ran all over Washington basically at will. Um, Dylan Muzinski, of course, and, and uh, Tyree Allens uh, are the two young men I'm referring to. So okay. it'll be interesting to see the Lions. They play their first home game uh, Friday night against Kennedy. Should be interesting there. And before we uh, we close this week, uh, KJ Cedar Rapids Jefferson two and zero convincing win against Marshalltown last Thursday night. Um, kind of a feel good feel good story, right? Yep. Can you think of anybody that's had an 88-point turnaround against the same opponent in the matter of a year? In one season. 88. They lost that bad to Marshalltown? They lost 48-0, I believe, last year to Marshalltown. They won 40-0 this year. Wow. And they're doing it with the majority of the same people from a year ago. So what does that tell you? Uh, one, it, it tells you that there's been uh, an increase in participation and dedication over the course of the year. Um, there's been uh, um, a year of learning, learning a new system, learning a new, uh, you know, uh, new expectation and standards that I think Ed Miles has uh, established everything from you know their pregame warm-up stuff is something i don't think i've ever seen the way they're running on the track before coming out for the regular warm-ups you know i don't know if i've seen that before but whatever they're doing there's it's starting to it's paying dividends this year and that's a testament to the coaches it's a testament to the players is it perfect not by any means. I mean, there was some uh, there are a lot of mistakes, a lot of penalties and and stuff like that that occurred. So those are things that can get cleaned up. Um, just a little more discipline and play and clean up uh, some of those things. But I tell you what, they looked they looked really good. Um, defensively, they look strong. Now you got to remember too, Marshalltown. You know, as a program, kind of on the the struggle side of, of things, um, but uh, Ashara Calalero, who rushed for 251 yards in the opener against Muscatine, followed with 120 yards and a touchdown. Um, you know, and he even mentioned after the game he wasn't 100. percent So uh, that tells you they've got some explosive uh, ability in the run game, and then. Uh, in the passing game, uh, LJ Nainau, um went over 100 yards again. He had a touchdown. I'll tell you what, I think maybe one of the things that's indicative of this turnaround was right at the end of the first half where I think it was like 13 nothing, maybe. Um, they had the ball. They – Got an intercept. Marshalltown was driving. Uh, they got an interception uh, in the end zone. 
So they have the ball at the at the 20 with 40 seconds left. They're up two scores. Maybe a year ago they take a knee because they just don't have the ability to throw downfield. You know, they can't block and, and give their quarterback time. They can't – they don't have guys that will get open. Well, first play they dial up an 80-yard touchdown pass from Jeremiah Pfeiffer to uh, LJ, and uh, the line gave them uh, – uh, a lot of time for it to develop uh, perfectly kind of set up a pocket to where everybody was pushed to the outside. So Pfeiffer could step up a couple yards and let it fly. And uh, they connected. And uh, I think that's, there's confidence in the players. There's confidence in uh, from the players, the coaches uh, there's confidence with the players in, in themselves this is a dress. I think this is a drastic turnaround, regardless of who they're playing. And, you know, they, they've got a couple more winnable games. This is going to be a special thing for the Jayhawks, I think. Yeah. One of those seemingly winnable games would be Friday night at home against Des Moines North. Um, that would, uh, that would certainly be a game that you would say that, that Jefferson has uh, more than a fair share of, of winning and man, wouldn't be something what, 26 games? Is that what the losing streak was? 26 yeah, losses in a row to three wins in a row would would be would really be something. So and according to our according to our friend John Haggerty, the two and zero start was the first time since two thousand. Um, wow! Imagine going three and zero, and you can see you can see the difference because there was a student section there. It was engaged, uh, and it was loud, and they're enjoying a football game. And everything that uh, I think maybe was missing a little bit, but I I think it's just made a huge change, not just with the team, but you see that effect in the student body as well. And it was it was a pretty cool sight on Friday. Let's look at uh, guys that are top tens this week. There was obviously some some turmoil, some uh, a lot of change in, in some of the classes. We'll start with five A, where we have. Southeast Polk, number one, West Des Moines Dowling, number two. Seed Rapids Prairie's bumped all the way up to number three with its 2-0 start. Uh, Linmar's number four, Bettendorf five, Cedar Falls six, Waukee Northwest seven, Ankeny at eight, Johnston tied with Ankeny at eight, and West Des Moines Valley at ten. Cedar Falls with a big win for the eastern side of the state uh, by knocking off Johnston last week. Uh, we have some really good games in 5A this week when you look at um, – Dowling, number two, against number eight, Ankeny. Number three, Prairie, against number one, Southeast Polk. Uh, we talked the Linmar Kennedy game, which should be really good. Uh, and then number uh, eight, Johnston, against uh, number 10, Valley. Valley is uh, is 0-2, guys. But, uh, you know, of course, had to play Southeast Polk and, and Dowling. So anything in 5A that, that jumps out at you? Go ahead, KJ. Uh Go ahead. I I think we've kind of hit on uh, a lot of the things. You know, in Central Iowa, you're going to get those matchups just about every yeah, week. So that's true. Um, you know, with the injuries to Linmar, you know, that's uh, um, maybe the luster's taken off. It'll be interesting to see how they respond. Uh, how Kennedy responds. Um, you know, to to its start. Um, a new, uh, you know, I think this is a stretch for Prairie that gets awfully tough, um, you know, so 
it'll be it'll be interesting to see how they really um kind of keep things going yeah prairie goes uh southeast polk away pv away liberty home ankeny home wow. jeff away now that doesn't seem like a slam dunk anymore bettendorf home and iowa city west away so they don't have a I wouldn't, I would say they've got, uh, they don't have a cakewalk left. No. And they started with Cedar Falls. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know? So um, let's look at 4 a where we have a new number one in uh, Adele DeSoto, Minburn, uh, North Scott up to two, Western Dubuque three, North Polk four, Cedar Rapids Xavier drops from one to five, Bondurant for our six, Glenwood at seven. Number eight, uh, a tie between uh, Council Bluffs Lewis Central, or and no, actually, uh, Council Bluffs Lewis Central is eight. I apologize. Norwalk is nine. Mm. Gilbert ten. ADM and Lewis Central play this week. That's one against eight. North Scott against Assumption. That's two versus seven. Western Dubuque uh, at Xavier. That's three against five. Boys, that's three pretty good games right off the top, huh? And Glenwood yeah. Maryland. Yeah, wait, you know. Uh, as well so you notice that uh kind of the same thing that's happened in 5a is happening in 4a as well that uh, central iowa is becoming really really good uh you know with adm's up a class north polk's up a class both of those teams are programs have really gotten better uh and then you've got norwalk gilbert's good ballard bondurant i mean that's those little hawkeye and uh, raccoon river schools are kind of quietly becoming football giants too. Indianola. I think you're seeing that um, as these are suburbs of Des Moines, right? And they keep growing um, in population. And, uh, you know, we talked about I Bonder FR is going to be 5A before you know it. Um, that's the next, you know, the, that's where people are migrating, I guess, in, in my opinion, ADM as well uh is is real close to Waukee which we all know is is uh is burgeoning in in population so uh yeah you're right Van Meter continues and there's another one that has kind of become a, a suburb of Des Moines if you will and and always good in uh in sports now so I guess that's just the way it is but uh yeah. any thoughts on Western Dubuque Xavier this week guys just off the top I think a lot uh, depends I, on how Xavier responds. Um, I, I think they'll respond well. Uh, but I'll tell you, Western Dubuque can score. And uh, they, they can do it through the air. They can they can do it on the ground. And, uh, you know, they, you put 61 up on, on West Delaware in week one, you're doing something right. And uh, I really don't know how that game's going to go. I think it's going to be one up front. I had, you know, you got some really good skill players. You got Ronan Thomas for for Xavier. You've got Grant Glauser for Western Dubuque. Uh, you know you're going to have physical defenses. Um, I think the battle in the trenches there, that's going to make uh, a big difference at Saints Field, and, and we'll see who comes out on top. But I think right now, you know, uh, you really got to look at the momentum that Western Dubuque, Western Dubuque is building right now after uh, two strong wins against West, West Delaware and Wallert, right? Um, you know, and Xavier coming off the Williamsburg game. 
So momentum, you know, kind of in Western Dubuque's favor. So we'll see how uh, uh, both teams kind of react to that on Friday. What I think is interesting is that there are a couple games I'm kind of looking at. And at the, you know, three weeks ago, I would have been really excited about um, Bondurant Farrar um, heads to Waverly Shell Rock. Clear Creek Amanda heads to Williamsburg. And right now, I don't know if those are really good contests. Clear Creek Amanda's only scored three points in uh, two games. Losses to Marion and uh, Solon. Um, Waverly Shell Rock's 0-2 and, and really hasn't been that competitive with Xavier and uh, North Scott. So um, those are games that uh, a couple of weeks ago I would have thought, hey, this adds to the a lot of really good contests. And now uh, I think those kind of fall to the wayside. And I, I'm not sure if you guys mentioned, but Assumption North Scott I think uh, could be a fun game overall. Yeah, for sure. Uh, we've got Assumption. That's good segue into our 3A rankings. Um, number one, we've got Williamsburg, number two, Mount Vernon, number three is Harlan, four, Nevada, five, Webster City, uh, six, Creston, seven is Assumption, number eight is Humboldt, nine, Clear Lake, and a tie for 10th between Hampton, Dumont, Cal, and Sioux City, Helan. Uh, Williamsburg and Clear Creek is, as Pilch mentioned, uh, a good game here, I think, between Mount Vernon and, and 2-0, uh, Benton Community, which has been very impressive in its two games so far. That's Friday night. Uh, Harlan's got, you know, uh, number seven, 4A Glenwood. Uh, Nevada has number two, or number seven in Class 2A, Monroe PCM. Uh, then you got Webster City, number five in 3A against, uh, North Polk. Uh, which is number four in 2A. And uh, you mentioned Assumption and, uh, and North Scott, Assumption number seven in 3A, North Scott number two in 4A. Uh, Humboldt number eight in 3A as the number two or number one in class 2A, Van Meter. I hope you're catch, getting all these numbers straight. But um, anyway, uh, a lot of, lot of good games, boys, around the state. Um, interclass, I guess, but uh, ranked teams going against ranked teams. Yeah, yeah. you know, you mentioned, you mentioned Bent Community. Uh, that Bent Community-Mount Vernon game, I think you're going to have two clash of styles there. Um, you know, uh, Mount Vernon's up to their uh, uh, up to their pat, you know, their, their not tricks, but, you know, their, their passing game is Picked up, has picked up where it left off a year ago. Uh, watching Benton Community um, last week uh, against Marion and really, really just kind of punishing the, the Wolves. Um, you know, that's a ground and pound type of uh, team. They're physical up front. Um, Carson Bruns rushed for 126 yards and a couple touchdowns. Uh, quarterback Owen Gemlin. Um, 93 yards and two scores. Uh, they were really impressive uh, on the ground. And then, you know, defensively, both teams uh, control things up front. Um, lots of tackles for losses. Uh, so that's going to be a game. That's a game that kind of stands out to me and, and just kind of the clash of styles between the two teams. 
Jeff, did you have anything you wanted to add there? Sorry. No, I just yeah, I haven't seen. Well, I, I saw Mount Vernon in game one. Uh, definitely impressed with them when they played Monticello. Uh, uh, the eye opener with me is Benton's defense, and you know KJ brought that up. Uh, they've given up what one touchdown in two games. So yep. uh, uh, that was against their reserves too. Okay. Uh, they played their reserves for at least the last ten minutes, if not the whole fourth quarter, maybe starting to trickle them in, uh, trickle them in, uh, in the third, but yeah, yeah. Just against their number one defense, they have not given up a touchdown. Yeah. So yeah, that's, uh, you know, how, how, how do they, how do they defend Mount Vernon? And, uh, uh, I think that's going to be a really good game before we leave the three, a four, a, uh, theme here, uh, just, it's not going to be one of the best games probably on paper, but uh, just the fact that uh, CPU is going to Marion. Uh, Marion will open up its uh, its new uh, facility for football. I know they they ran track there. I think I imagine they probably played soccer there last spring. But uh, uh, I was there for a track meet last last uh, last spring, and uh, it, it really is a nice facility. And uh, kind of reminds you a, a little bit of. Uh, what Linmar looks like and uh, as far as Linmar stadium and uh, looking forward to, to uh, you know, to being out there on Friday. I, I, parking will probably be a problem though. So you probably better get out there around three in the afternoon. Uh, so I was good, just going to ask you that Jeff, are you going to get out there about one to make sure you, well, that wouldn't be good because they'll still be in school. So the lots will be full. Uh, it's going to be like Thomas park, I guess that way. Uh, even though it's a new stadium, is uh, doesn't seem like a whole lot of parking out there. But uh, yeah, yeah, good for good for Marion. That'll be a a good opening. Yeah, I probably should hire an Uber to drop me off at uh, that uh, Tasty Freeze or whatever it is on the main drag there. <laughs> uh, let's see, where were we? We were in class two. Let's pick up in two way. Uh, we already talked about number one Van Meter against three A number eight Humboldt. Uh, the rest of our rankings this week, number two, Central Lions, George Little Rock, number three, Western Christian, number four is West Lion, number five, Monticello, number six, Spirit Lake, number seven, PCM Monroe, number eight, Green County, number nine, Cherokee, uh, Clorinda also in a tie with Cherokee at number nine. The thing I noticed here, guys, we've got four teams that are one and one um, still ranked in 2A, but I get that goes back to playing up a competition, right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, Monticello, uh, that loss to Mount Vernon certainly is forgivable. Spirit Lake, uh, who got them? They got beat last week. Uh, I think PCM lost to Pella Christian, maybe. Uh, Green it County lost good. to maybe Nevada, so uh, somebody like that. They lost to a good team, too. So they're not uh, they're not losing to a bunch of punks. Uh, let's go 1A, Class 1A. Number one continues to be Grundy Center. Number two is uh, MFL Marmac. Number three, Underwood. Number four, Waterloo Columbus. Number five, Ostwa, as Jeff says. That's uh, Abuja, Shelby Tenant, Walnut. Six is Pella Christian. Seven, South Hamilton. Eight, uh, Iowa City Regina. Number nine, Sumner Fredericksburg. And number 10 is Denver. We have uh, one good matchup here in 1A this week as Grundy Center, number one, and number six, Pella Christian. Uh, Regina looks like it's, it's uh, you know, starting to get its mojo going again. Would you agree with that, guys? Uh, 
West Branch as Waterloo Columbus, very tough schedule to start out 0-2, but had to play, what, Williamsburg and Dyke New Hartford, I believe, if I remember correctly. Um, anything in 1A that, that kind of catches your eye? Oh, I think that Regina Meepo game um, stands out. Uh, like you mentioned, Regina uh, off to a really strong start so far. Uh, I think Meepo's at one and one. Um, they won their opener, had a good win in the opener, um, but lost this last week. So um, I think that'll be a good game, and uh, it'll be interesting to see just exactly where Regina's at. Uh, right now, and if they can kind of keep things going from those opening two wins. Plus 1A rankings, we have uh, number one is West Hancock, number two, Linville Sully, three, Woodbury Central, four, East Buchanan, five, St. Ansgar, six, a tie it's, uh, between, <laughs> I'm sorry, Madrid and South Central Calhoun, eight is Nashville Plainfield, nine, Maquoketa Valley, ten, a tie between Columbus Junction and North Lynn. East Buchanan and Maquoketa Valley, number four against number nine, is the one that stands out here as well as St. Ansgar and West Hancock. West Hancock, of course, one, St. Ansgar, five. Um, what do you think about that Mac Valley East Buchanan game, boys? I think it might be over by 830. <laughs> <laughs> Both those teams are going to run, run, run. And, uh, uh, you know, that's, that's your uh, – no, which line wins that game probably wins the game. Uh, I'd say the over under on passes thrown in that game is probably what maybe seven and a half. <laughs> uh, McShane's going to run. You know, he he he's the uh, leading rusher all classes with six hundred and some yards. Uh, you know, East Buchanan's going to want to run it. So uh, it's nineteen uh, seventies football, and I think it's going to be really entertaining. It's yeah, it kind of. Go ahead, Pilch. I was just I was just looking at the rushing yards, and I'm surprised that Mac Valley, you know, East Buchanan is a ground and pound team. Only five passes attempted through the first two games, which is not a surprise. Um, but just act that Maquoketa Valley has uh, more rushing yards than East Buck through two games. Uh, I think that kind of threw me off a little bit. But you know, Mac Valley has thrown for 154 yards and a score. Uh, about 12 attempts a game. So, you know, who knows? Maybe if they're able to dial up one uh, through the air, that could make a that could make a difference. Or if East Buck catches them off guard, we've seen them. Uh, you know, I, I don't think it's I don't think it's a fact that East Buck can't throw. They just why throw when we don't have to, right? Um, mm -hmm. So maybe Tristan Russell uh, catches Mac Valley. Uh, napping and focusing on the rush or I think maybe the maybe the pass game comes through with uh, a play to be the difference here doubtful those, doubtful but yeah those two teams right. are in they're in the same district correct Jeff this is starts district play yeah, we're uh, we're in the district play I think uh uh I think we started last week with a lot of district games in, in class okay. A Okay, so, you know, get the marquee game, unfortunately, in week three, but uh, should be a good one. Uh, another one I'm interested in, and we have Columbus Junction at uh, number 10 playing Lisbon this week, uh, which is 2-0 and and end giving up a point yet in its first two games. So maybe a, a proving game for Lisbon. We'll see how good the Lions are. 
Yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, just I think that's uh, two teams that have a whole lot of speed. Uh, you know, both teams were, uh, you know, Lisbon was a state champion in class 1A track last year. I think Columbus might have been third. So obviously both teams have some burners. And uh, I think that's going to be a really good ball game. Uh, yeah, it, it's a prove it game for Lisbon because even though Columbus lost week one to, to Minneapolis, I think they're still pretty darn good. Eight player rankings this week uh, from the Gazette. We stand, We have Gladbrook Rhinebeck at number one, Winfield Mount Union at number two, Caminita at three, Lennox four, Waco five, Central City and Remsen St. Mary's tied at six, Bedford is number eight, Ruthven GTRA, that's Grettinger, Terrell, Ruthven Ayrshire uh, at nine, and then a tie between Don Bosco and Lansing Key. Uh, some marquee games and eight player this week. We've got Winfield Mont Union against Waco. Uh, that could be pretty good. Bedford against Lennox as well. So a couple of top 10 matchups there. Uh, what do you see out of, out of a player? Uh, Central City's got a 2-0 uh, Edco team as well um, this week. So no. No pushover for the Wildcats, who have had a pretty tough schedule, I guess, to, to open. Right, and uh, I think Edco's legit. Uh, they beat Easton Valley and beat them pretty bad last week. You know, we know how good Easton Valley's been lately. Um, game that, you know, kind of scares me a little bit on this is uh, Gladbrook Rhinebeck goes to Meskwaki. Yeah. But uh, uh, be kind, he Rebels. Means, he means in uh, – That Meskwaki. could be – yeah, yeah, that well, might be a game where in a game. Yeah, I understand. Yeah, that saying. that might be one that maybe you might want to think about ending that one at halftime. It seems like guys, we're we're having at least a handful of of games uh, to a half dozen on Thursday nights now, and that includes some eight player games. Um, obviously, that's intentional. Yeah, uh, I like it. Mm -hmm. I guess. I do too. Um, yeah, I, I think the, uh, the, the reason for that is the, the official shortage. So they start, okay. uh, okay. they've been putting some eight man, I'm sorry, eight player games on, on Thursday so that, uh, I imagine some, some crews probably work both Thursday and Friday and, uh, that makes, uh, scheduling a little bit better. I, yeah, I don't mind it at all. All right, Pilchy, you are up with who's got more. All right. Favorite segment. Are you guys ready for this? Uh, no, but okay. So, so this week's probably a little bit more basic, a little easier than than most, but figure, uh, you know, I kind of build up your confidence before next week and try and knock you down a little bit. But uh, we'll start out with quarterbacks. We've mentioned a couple of them already. Who has the most completions? Uh, heading into uh, week three, you've got Vincenzo Gianforte of Kennedy, Will Hosh of Cascade, or Graham Beckman of Iowa City Liberty. I'm going with Vinny. That's my pick. Yeah, that that was my guess too. So, which means we're probably going to be wrong. I know. I think he leads. He might be leading the state in yards. I was looking through that when I was doing the capsules this week, and I know he's got a lot of yards and a lot of touchdowns. Um. Yeah, I'll, I'll go. I'll go the same direction. Okay, so I threw a little bit of a trick question at you. Um. Gianforte and Beckman are tied for the state lead with fifty-one completions. 
So you guys are correct, but yeah. Beckman Beckman would also have been correct with 51. Hosh uh, has 38. Uh, nothing to sneeze at there for Cascade. So uh, good job with the first one. Uh, the second one, who has more all-purpose yards? Oh, you have Lance McShane of Mac Valley, who you guys mentioned earlier, Sigourney Kyoto as a team, or MFL Marmack as a team. Sigourney one and one, I believe. MFL Marmack two and zero. Oh. Jeff, you're first. That <laughs> that uh, all purpose means passing and receiving, or does that include kick returns and stuff too, or whatever bound throws in okay. there. As, as all-purpose yard, I'm just going off bounds, categories, um, statistical categories there for all-purpose yards. I suppose I'll go McShane. Okay. Um, I don't think he's got a lot of receiving yards. MFL. You're going to go with MFL? I am. JJ is correct, but... MFL has, MFL has 641 all-purpose yards, according to Bound. McShane, 634, so they're only separated by seven yards. That's crazy. They need to start throwing him the ball. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Sigourney Kyoto is third in that group with 602. Um, so uh, who has the most between these three? Bell Plain fumble recoveries. Touchdowns by Lansing Keys, Dalton Mutterman, or passing attempts from Central City? Who's got the most? Yep. Bell played fumble recoveries. Uh, touchdowns by Lansing Keys, Dalton Mutterman, Central City pass attempts. I'm first. I'm going. Belton, Belton, he's our man. If he didn't do it, nobody can. Who's, who's that? The young man from Lansing Key. Oh, oh Dalton. Man. Dalton. Dalton. Okay. Dalton. That was my first guess, too, but I, I better switch it up so I don't look like I'm just uh, dragging on your your shoes here. Um, What was Central City? Passing attempts? Pass attempts. And what about Bell Plain? Bumble recoveries. Oh, Bell Plain's played one more game, Lindy. Keep that in mind. Yeah, but that's that'd be a lot of fumble recoveries. I mean, he'd have to be scooping everything up. I'll, I'll go with Central City passes, but it's probably wrong. I think JJ's right. Uh, you guys are both wrong. Bell oh. Plain has Bell Plain has sixteen fumble recoveries through the first three games. What are they doing? Are they are they running the fumble ruski on offense every play? <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure, but. They have three, I think the top three players in fumble recoveries are uh, in the state are Bell Plain players. Uh, if I if I saw that. Uh, so they've played three exactly. games and they've got 16 fumble recoveries. Yeah. And they got one loss too. Yep. Hey, yeah, man. Two of players a crazy three. game, man. So Jack's stamp leads uh, – the state with five fumble recoveries, Wade Sankot, uh, Sankot uh, and 
Wilson caught each have three fumble recoveries for uh, the Plainsmen, according to Bound. So right there between three players, they have 11 fumble recoveries. So uh, That's not a stat that you can inflate either. Not well, black and white, yeah, yeah. So, I and I didn't look and see kind of how the breakdown for games went with uh, that, um, and what they had per game, but yeah, pretty, pretty impressive. Uh, well, Nathan Ford's got it, got a even, even for just it. in turnovers in general, um, there for about playing. All right, Nathan, so let's move on. No, oh, Nathan Ford just just buzzed in. KJ, they Uh-oh. had nine nine fumble recoveries last week against Melcher Dallas. So that's uh, that's a big boost to the to the numbers uh, right there. So thanks Holy Nathan for, for that. Uh, let's go to most defensive TDs. Um. So through going into week three, who hit, what team has the most defensive touchdowns? You've got Iowa City West, Cedar Rapids, Jefferson, or, or Monticello. It should be Bell Plain. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff, you're first. What are my guesses again? Most defensive touchdowns. Iowa City West, Monticello, or Cedar Rapids, Jefferson. Well, Monticello didn't have any when I saw him against uh, Mount Vernon. Um, I'll say Monticello anyway. Maybe they had a bunch last week. Uh, I'm trying to think, too. West had one pick six in the game I saw. I'm going Jefferson. Jefferson is correct. Jefferson has two uh, through the first two weeks. Iowa City, West, Monticello each have one. So the Jayhawks uh, put some points up on the board. Um, now I want to see how many. I saw, I saw one of the. I saw an interception return uh, by Tyler Houston um, against Marshalltown, which was uh, pretty uh, nifty play. But I don't think this is uh, this is a far cry from uh, a couple of the past Jefferson teams. So, all right. So last. Our last one here. Who has the most? Garrett Watts of Montezuma with touchdown receptions. So touchdown catches by Montezuma's Garrett Watts. Rushing touchdowns by Prairie's Casey Kelly. Or Mount Vernon players with at least one reception. (laughs) I'm going to go with Mr. Watts if this is my turn to go first. Okay. Uh, let's see. Kelly had six last week. Uh, I'm going fumble recoveries for Mount Vernon players, different players. Okay. Though, that was receptions. Oh, re- receptions. I'm sorry. Okay. Um, so Casey Kelly had five touchdown rushes last week, and that gives him six total. Garrett Watts has seven touchdown catches overall for Montezuma. Eight Mount Vernon players have caught at least one pass in that uh, that offense. Um, Yahtzee. With quarterback, with quarterback uh, Joey Romberg, who I will be 
featuring for our weekly uh, feature that will be uh, online later Thursday night um, and in Friday's paper to preview our uh, coverage for this week. KJ, I dominated the King this week. I feel good. You did. You did I, very I well. The first time I've ever beaten Lindy in this. First no, time. I don't think so. Oh, four and one. <laughs> yes. Yeah, you went. You went four and one. I, do I win a Gazette T-shirt or anything for that? Uh, we'll get you a King koozie. Okay. Good we'll enough. We'll get you a Gazette King koozie and a used huh? shirt out of my closet. <laughs> Uh, all right. Uh, on that note, let's. Um, what do we got this? What do we got tomorrow night, boys? Uh, before we sign off, uh, where's everybody gonna be? Uh, KJ, where are you gonna be? I will be heading to Saints Field for the uh, the four A top ten game between two and zero Western Dubuque and one and one Cedar Rapids Xavier. So everybody can catch me out there at Saints Field. Jeff Linder? I'll be at Marion Stadium for the Storm and Pointers and the Wolves. Looking forward to it. Uh, you're just looking forward to seeing your good buddy Norman. Yeah, there's that, too. It finally feels like football weather. It does. Yeah. It cooled off, finally, 100%. Yeah. So, uh, I got Kingston Stadium duty tomorrow night. I get to see the rejuvenated Jefferson Jayhawks against Des Moines North. Uh, as Jeff looks to to go to three and zero, so we got other games we're covering. I'm trying to think, guys. Uh, we got somebody at Mount Vernon, correct? Yeah, I think is Plague and Kuehl covering that one, or maybe Klein. I know Condon's got uh, Condon's got Kennedy and and Linmar. Yeah, we got yeah, we've got Mike, Mike Condon will be out of Linmar Stadium. So. Good bucket of games for y'all. Uh, don't forget our running uh, our running scoreboard on at thegazette.com in the sports section. Uh, we'll have a, a, a green Gazette cover um, tomorrow night, probably about, what, 1045 or so by the time that gets up. Uh, we'll have a bunch of, bunch of game coverage, uh, roundups, uh, you name it, uh, the gazette.com is where you need to go. So, um, enjoy a nice, crisp, cool Friday night, guys. Thank you very much, as always. Nathan, thank you for KJ and Jeff. This is Jeff signing off, saying, uh, thanks for joining us, folks, for another edition of the Prep Puddle Prep Podcast. We'll talk at you next week. Take care, everybody, and keep your head on the swivel. Get a daily update from the Gazette with our daily news podcast. Add it to your podcast player or your Alexa-friendly device to get a bite-sized local news update each day. Check it out at thegazette.com slash podcasts.